Hey there, and welcome to the Real Life Northside podcast. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. You can help us do that by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast. Check out the description for ways to get in touch or get involved. Let's take a look at this week's message. I want you to grab your Bible. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 16. You just warmed my heart how many of you turned and grabbed your Bible right then. Thank you. Uh, I love seeing that. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, you can grab that as well. Um, on the Version Bible app, we've got a live event. If you're joining us at home, we'll have all this stuff on the screen. But I really believe that God is going to speak through Luke chapter 16 today. And I want to pray. And uh, <laughs> I need prayer in this conversation. Um, and I believe that God um, wants to do something powerful. So let's, let's pray. We'll get into it. Lord, here we are this Memorial Weekend, God, so thankful, God, that we are able to gather, thankful for the lives that have been sacrificed and given, God, so that we could be here together. God, thankful for your work in each of our lives, thankful for the healing that you're doing, the changing that you're doing. Just some of us even being in the room today is a miracle, God. And we believe, Jesus, that um, it's all you and it's all your work, and so we're trusting you to continue that work right now. Lord, we need you in this moment. This message that you have for us, God, is one that um, we just need your power and your spirit present in a good way, God. And uh, we're trusting you with this time, Jesus. We love you so much in your name. Can you say amen today? Amen. Amen. Luke 16, we are um, in the second part of this chapter, picking up in verse 14. And usually if you're here at Real Life, I try to have some sort of cute connective story to begin things uh, as we get going into uh, God's word. But this morning, I just felt like Jesus is like, let me speak. Let me, let me say what I need to say to the people that are online and in the room. Let me do kind of the heavy lifting here. And so I want to just dive right in, and I'm going to try to help you understand and unpack this passage. But you got to get the setting here. Jesus is telling some stories here in Luke 16 to some religious leaders called Pharisees who are struggling with Jesus' leadership. They don't like him. They don't like him because he's challenging their way of thinking and the kingdom that they're trying to build. And so as he's talking, speaking, they are struggling with what he's saying. In fact, some of you in the room are going to struggle with what Jesus has to say today, and that is a good struggle. It's worth us working through in our hearts and our lives, but there's a contrast that Jesus is is painting in this story today. There's the here and the now, the life we live, the, the, the positions we hold, the money we earn, the the status we have, and then there's the next life. There's eternity. There's the impact that we have here and now that's going to that's gonna impact forever and how easy it is for us to forget about forever and just live for the here and the now. The Pharisees' kingdom was all about outward appearance and all about uh, status and recognition. Jesus' kingdom is all about inward transformation and character development. It's the outward versus the inward that really is getting shown through this story. So, We finished last week, Luke chapter 16, in verse 13. And I'll read this again just to set up today. Jesus finishes that story with this statement. He says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He's talking about God and money. You cannot serve God and 
money. Last week I said, choose your master. God's a way better master than money is, right? There, that was the conversation last week. Listen how we pick up today in verse 14. The Pharisees, this is that religious group I was telling you about. Luke inserts this. He says, they were lovers of money. And so they heard all these things and they ridiculed Jesus. I want you to just hear this. Luke inserts this little backdrop here to help us gain an understanding of the tension that most likely filled the room where Jesus and these Pharisees were having dinner. These Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things what things? You cannot serve God and money. You got to choose your master. You're going to love one, hate the other. You can't serve both. They heard all these things and they ridiculed Jesus. And so Jesus says to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. Remember, it's the internal versus the external. It's, it's Jesus' kingdom versus the Pharisees' kingdom here. What is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Jesus is not messing around today, is he? And so I want you to just kind of like let your heart settle in and go, okay, God, what do you want to speak to me today? It'd be easy to get your kind of defenses up or maybe kind of get your heart a little bit like uh, hardened or maybe kind of closed off. Maybe your arms are crossed even in the room. Maybe you just need to open them up, kind of take a deep breath, all right? I see you back there, Dave. Uncross those arms. Come on, buddy. Yeah, all right? Like this is a chance for us to go, God, what do you want to say to me today? Some of you think you've already had this conversation. I know as I was navigating this passage trying to get ready to preach it, it would be easy for me to go, oh, I, I, you know, money's not my master, blah, 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 blah. Here's the struggle that I'm with you in as we navigate this passage is that the temporary external things of this life tend to consume me if I'm not aware of the internal work that God is wanting to do in me and through me. That there's this temptation between the, the temporary things of this life, money being one of them, success, power, fame, whatever, and the, and the internal, really eternal things of this life that God is wanting to do. The Pharisees want to keep it on the outside. Jesus wants to bring it to the inside. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm with you in this, this journey together as we navigate this passage. You are those who justify yourselves before men but God knows your hearts. What is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Verse 16, Jesus doubles down and he says, all right, listen, the law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament, that's all this back here. The law and the prophets, they were until John. What is, who is John? John the Baptist, John the one that came right before Jesus to get people's hearts ready to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They were until John, but since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone forces his way into it. The Pharisees were a people who relied on the outward tradition of their heritage, their family legacy, their religious upkeep of all the rules to determine whether or not they were good with God. And Jesus is saying, no, there's a new kingdom being preached. And the way into it is to force your way. What does that mean? To actually say, I choose to be a part of this kingdom. I'm coming after Jesus. I'm not going to go just the way of everyone else. I'm going to go Jesus way. You force your way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away, Jesus says, than for one dot of the law to become void. Now, Jesus is turning the tables on the Pharisees. He says, in fact, everyone who 
divorces his wife, marries another, commits adultery, and he who marries a woman who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. I want you to understand what he's doing. The Pharisees love the law. Jesus is taking the very thing that they love and he's showing them the poverty of their souls as they've been so consumed with the outward appearance of things. He's saying, hey, the law that you love so much, this thing is, is absolutely amazing and you have no way of fulfilling every bit of it. In fact, let me show you a place where you're not fulfilling it. The Pharisees had taken this law about divorce and remarriage, and they had really excluded kind of men from this equation, and they had really made it about the woman who had been divorced or was divorcing her husband, and really they were the lawbreakers and not the men. Sounds kind of sexist, doesn't it? And, and, and so Jesus is going, actually, it's all of you. If you're a man, you're a woman, whoever is breaking the law, you're breaking the law. And nobody's kind of exempt from this thing, and, and, and he's showing them, like, that outward game that you're playing you're going to lose. You're never going to keep up with the law. You're never going to get it right. You're never going to fulfill it. You're never going to make it just right. You're always going to be at a place where, where you don't have the capacity and they don't see this. That's why they're ridiculing them. That's why they're so frustrated with this teaching because they think they got it right. How hard is it to hear when you think you know the answer? Right? I mean, this is, amen, sister, whoever just squealed that right back there, right? Like, how hard is it to hear when I think I'm right? How about you? How hard is it for you to hear when you think you know the answer? And that's where the Pharisees are in the story, and so that's why Jesus is coming so hard. Like, Listen, what you think is like this, this awesome thing on the external, God actually views that as an abomination, you think you got it all together, but God sees the inside of you, and it is, it is absolutely in utter decay, the, the soul of you is. Don't miss my kingdom. My kingdom is here. It's being preached. The good news is here, and, and I don't want you to miss who I am and what I'm doing and the kind of work I want to do. It's on the inside, not just the outside. And I think about us as a church heading into summer. Like, summer is kicking off this week. Can you say 95 degrees? Amen, right? Like... And I love being, uh, you know, at the lake, and we love the rivers, and we love, like, fishing. I was fishing last night, and I caught nothing, and it is so much fun, right, being out and about. But here's the temptation, is that summer becomes about us getting, you know, a break and refreshment and enjoyment and all these external things that are super awesome and super needed. But if we're not careful, our, our souls begin to kind of shrivel up as we are disconnected from God and his people and church services like this. We find ourselves kind of disconnected from the, the inside, the soul being nourished and transformed and renewed. Many of us are just coming back from COVID and we feel that disconnect. YouTube has just gotten old for some of us, right? And, and we need this like, like this experience to have God's grace and his, his realness right in front of us. And, and we need his word to be alive in us. And it's so easy to find the external things dictating our lives and the internal shriveling up. Jesus is going, this is what I want to speak to. And so here's the story that he tells called The Rich Man and Lazarus. In verse 19, he says this. this it's like a made-up story that he tells to help illustrate his point. He says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple. Remember, they're lovers of money, so he's using money as a way to help them see their own heart. This rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. That's not, a, that's not a word you get to say a lot. 
Verse 20, at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores. Look at the contrast. Rich man, fine linen, ate sumptuously. At his gate, at his house, was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. There's this implication that not even a, a drop of it was his to eat. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. How sick must this guy have been that he couldn't even shoo the dogs away as they came to lick his sores? The poor man died, listen, was carried by angels to Abraham's side. Like, I don't know how you imagine eternity going, but the thought of being, like, that feels like a triumphal, like, procession. Angels come and pick you up and take you to Abraham's side. There's this, like, amazing picture of honor and dignity that's being bestowed on this poor man here who dies. The rich man, he also died. What did he get? He was buried. Being in Hades and being in torment, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Jesus is doing something here. This is great reversal. In your world, the rich man is the honored one, right? In, in, in your world, the one with all the food and all the fine clothing is the one with all the dignity. And the poor man laying at your, your gate is the, the despised one, the rejected one, the one that, that nobody would want anything to do with. He's so poor, so sick that even the dogs come and lick the sores on his body like this is miserable in your world. But in my world, the rich man is in torment lifts up his eyes, sees Abraham far off, and Lazarus at his side. He calls out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. What a reversal. The one that was laying at his gate all these years, wishing for crumbs from his table, now has the, 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 the invitation to, to reach out and just touch him with just the tip of his finger and cool his tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham says, child, remember that you in your lifetime, you received your good things. Remember, temporary. Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. Beside all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said then, this is what the rich man said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house for I have five brothers. I have all these other people that, they may, that he may warn them and lest they also may come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, no, they have Moses. They have the prophets. They have all the stories. They have all the same stuff that you had. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father, if someone gets to them from the dead, right, then they'll repent. If there's a miracle, if there's a sign, then they'll repent. And he says, no, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is a contrast that Jesus is putting in front of the Pharisees to show them really what is true wealth and what is true poverty and how kind of mixed up they are in this whole conversation. The thing that struck me, and I put it as kind of the title here on the top of your notes there, is that this is forever right now. 
where you and I are living and how we're living and what's happening inside of us and what's not happening inside of us and how we're navigating life and difficulties and circumstances, money and, and, and poverty and, and all this stuff that we have to deal with in this life is forever. And Jesus is going, hey, don't just deal with it on the outside and try to, try to have a life that makes sense on the outside, but would you allow me to do the work on the inside? My kingdom is a kingdom of, of people's hearts and souls and lives being transformed and your character being renewed and your mind being changed and you being made into the person that I've made you to be and called you to be and designed you to be. Don't give up the inner transformation for the outward success. Don't miss that this is forever what I'm wanting to do in your life, what I'm wanting to do through your life. How tempting it is to make it about external things when Jesus' kingdom has always been about internal things. This is forever. The rich man and Lazarus paint that picture, right? Like what, what seemed like a temporary or didn't seem like a temporary thing. It seemed like just the way the life is Jesus takes the story and puts it into eternal light. He puts it into an eternal perspective so that we could see how God sees what's happening now in light of eternity. You with me? And he creates this contrast to help us kind of recognize where our own hearts are at in light of eternity. And for us to just kind of settle our hearts here and go, wow, wait a second. Am I a lover of money? Am I somebody who is so externally consumed that this is all that matters and eternity isn't even crossed my mind most days? The eternal state of my own soul, those that I love, those that I'm in relationship with, the state of their soul, like does this even matter that this is forever or is my life just consumed with here and now? Don't hear Jesus bagging on money like money's bad, no? Success, no, it's not bad. These things aren't bad things but they're all temporary things. They're all things that aren't really impacting forever. And so there's this great reversal in this story that you and I kind of have to wrestle with so that we can understand Jesus' heart. It's this contrast of wealth and poverty. I love church history. Anybody else know church history at all? Two of us, yeah, nerds. Thank you for being a nerd with me. And uh, man, there's a guy, um, his, his nickname was Goldenmouth, St. John Chrysostom, and he... Um, I think in the fourth century priest, he was the bishop of Constantinople, and he um, was this amazing preacher. He preached constantly to the emperor and empress. In fact, the empress got so sick of his preaching that she had him banished from the kingdom because he was constantly preaching against this external life that, that the empire was known for at this point. Christianity had become the national religion and everybody kind of attached to Christianity whether or not they had a soul that was connected to Jesus. That's the danger when we fight for a Christian nation, right? Is that we might have an external kind of pr presentation of Christianity, but internally we're, we're void of Jesus. The Pharisees lived in this same spot here where they were externally, they were religious and had it all together, but internally they were impoverished. And I think that that's the point of this story is what is true wealth? I, I, I want you to think about living in light of eternity that you and I need to learn to walk toward true wealth because Jesus is really coming after true wealth in this passage. And it's something that you and I got to reconcile in our own hearts. If you're writing stuff down, just write that down. Walk toward true wealth. Think about what Lazarus had to endure for a second. Chrysostom, the guy I was just mentioning, he made a list as he was preaching about Lazarus. He said, think about his poverty. 
Not even a crumb from the rich man's table was his to enjoy. When you think about what Lazarus had to do, endure, illness, not, not even the capacity to shoo the dogs away, he was that sick. Think about what Lazarus had to endure, loneliness, not a soul to notice him. The rich man walking by him day in and day out, his servants just hustling and bustling around the, the rich man's you know, palace to take care of all of his needs. No hope of help ignored day after day. This is all just this kind of reflection on how much Lazarus had to endure. Others right in front of him in such good fortune. Can you imagine the constant comparison to carry as a burden every single day? Lazarus carried it every day. No other Lazarus to compare himself to or to commiserate with. If there had been another poor man at the gate, at least I'm a little better than that guy, right? Some of us, that's how we make it through our hard days. Somebody else has it worse than I do, right? He didn't have any other Lazarus to compare himself to. Didn't have... Jesus' resurrection to look forward to. None of that had happened yet at this point in the story. And this reputation that is constantly being tarnished by people going, look at him. He must have done something to deserve this life. And I love what Chrysostom writes. He says, do not tell me that he was afflicted. Lazarus was afflicted with sores. But consider that he had a soul inside more precious than any gold. Or rather, not his soul only, but also his body. For the virtue of the body is not plumpness and vigor. Remember, this is the fourth century, all right? But the ability to bear so many severe trials. What is true wealth? Chrysostom says here that the, your capacity to endure so many severe trials is what gives you true wealth. It's the strength of your soul that makes you a wealthy person. It's not the external achievements and the size of the bank account or the number of retirement that you're shooting for, but it is the strength of your soul. For many of us, one of these ailments would have crushed us. And yet here's Lazarus in this great procession, scooped up by angels and taken straight to Abraham's side. There's this recognition from God and all the angels going, man, this guy had some strength. This guy had it going on. This guy is a guy to celebrate. And yet many of us would look at Lazarus' state and despise him, kick him to the curb, keep away from him, walk away from him. And here's what Jesus is doing in this story. He's like, you have no idea what true wealth is. One of these ailments could have ruined your life. And yet look at the strength of this guy to walk through all of this. Apparently without any kind of sin or condemnation, the angels would just scoop him up <laughs> and take him straight to Abraham. Think about it how we compare our strength and ourselves to Lazarus' character. Remember, I said it earlier, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of inner transformation and character development and growth. That's what Jesus is interested in your life, is you becoming stronger in your soul, not just that your life goes better. Think about how easy it is to slide into, well, if my life goes better, then Jesus is good. And if my life is hard, he must have abandoned me. And he's going, no, you're missing it. Actually, the, 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 the wealthiest people in my kingdom are the strongest of soul. They have the capacity to navigate difficulties without jumping ship. When I think about this last year and a half, so many of us have tried to navigate. Some of us with horrific struggle and some of us with like nothing ever happened. 
The opportunity that's presented in all of us is to go, hey, how are you going to grow through difficulties? How are you going to actually get stronger through difficulties? Because the wealth of, of your soul is what God is interested in, and you and I becoming people that can endure well. I think about my temptation is just get through this thing, and when this thing is over, then everything will be fine again. Jesus is going, actually, this thing is the thing that I want to use to grow your character, to grow your perseverance, to grow your faithfulness, to grow your strength. I want to make you wealthier in my kingdom if you would do the work of growing through this situation instead of just white-knuckling it until it's over. And see, that's the choice that's before all of us is to walk toward true wealth, to consider how do I get stronger through difficult things? How do I actually grow through this season, this situation, this, this difficulty that I'm in? I was thinking about this. For me, this last couple of weeks, God's really been speaking to me about my attitude. It's one thing to say, I have faith that God is at work. His purpose will prevail. He is going to do amazing things. And it's a totally another thing to, to have an attitude that reflects that kind of a faith. You know what I'm saying? Or you could be like, oh, God's good, and he's going to work, and it's going to be okay. And you sound more like Eeyore, right, than anybody else. And you're like, eh, it's, it's, it's going to be fine. Or to have somebody that has that same attitude of faith, but, but, but the heart of faith, but the attitude reflects the heart, right? Like, no, I believe that God has something in mind, and he's working, and he's doing it. And I'm like preaching to myself, right? Like, Richie, you got to remember this, that, that God has something in mind for you, and you, you are growing through this season as difficult as it is. God is at work in your life, and, and, and there's a purpose that he has will prevail. It will not be thwarted. His purpose always endures. And you have a decision right now to have your attitude reflect that faith or to allow the circumstances to dictate your attitude. Attitude is such an important piece of character development that God is wanting us to walk toward true wealth, to keep our heart full of what could be instead of what is. You say, I'm a realist. No, you're mean, right? Like, yeah, I'm just being realistic. I'm actually just being a jerk, right? Like I, 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 I struggle with these attitudes, and I think for us to keep our hearts there is a way to walk toward true wealth. God is up to something that I can't see, I can't understand. And the second thing that I think is so important, if you're going to walk towards, you're going to think about this. This is live, you know, this is forever. That you're walking toward true wealth, but you're also paying attention to the poverty of your soul. That you're, 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 you're kind of understanding that, man, if I am not growing and strengthening my character through this season, this difficulty, this pain, this loss, whatever it is that I'm navigating, that I, I might lose touch of the poverty of my own soul. You think about the rich man in the story. He had it all together until he got to eternity. Now, who really is poor? Who really is poor? Not Lazarus, not the one who's forever in, in, in relationship with God and in heaven and, and not in this place of torment. Who really is impoverished? The one that felt like he had it all together in this life. The one that felt like he, he knew what was happening and how it was going and how his life would happen. Like I think about like how impoverished some of our souls might actually be, but outwardly you'd never know it. In fact, we're fooled by our circumstances that my soul is good because my circumstances are good. Jesus go, no, 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 don't, don't make this mistake. 
pay attention to the poverty of your own soul, that you to live under sin and condemnation forever and in torment is the worst kind of poverty you could ever experience. That this is forever. This isn't just a temporary setup. Like this, this is forever how you are living. What is happening in your soul right now? And that you and I would pay attention to this poverty inside of us and not be consumed with only temporary things that we would see that what God is wanting to do is a deep work inside of our hearts, a strengthening of our souls. God, would you, would you give us the courage to pay attention to the poverty of our souls? I was thinking about an impoverished soul. They don't have the strength to stand up through a trial. They bail when things get hard. That's an impoverished soul. Think about somebody that is impoverished in their soul. Everybody that they're in relationship with has to agree with them. That's an impoverished soul. Everything has to go my way. Has to make sense according to my plans and my direction and my leadership. An impoverished soul is one who really lives from a place of just what this world can offer me and how successful I am. Again, money and success isn't an evil thing, but if there's no soul inside you that's strong, those things will lure you away, make you this impoverished soul. An impoverished soul lives like money in this life is all there is. I wanna give you just a little bit more fourth century wisdom. Listen to this. Chrysostom, I I read a bit of this earlier. He says, do not tell me that Lazarus was afflicted with sores, but consider that he had a soul inside more precious than any gold. Or rather, not his soul only, but also his body. For the virtue of the body is not plumpness and vigor, but the ability to bear so many severe trials. A person is not loathsome if he has this kind of wounds on his body, but if he has a multitude of sores on his soul and takes no care of them. Such was that rich man, full of sores within. Just as the dogs licked the wounds of the poor man, listen, so demons licked the sins of the rich man. That is disgusting, right? And just as the poor man lived in starvation of nourishment, so the rich man lived in starvation of every kind of virtue. I see this contrast. Jesus is wanting to elevate our hearts and our minds to say, hey, pay attention to the poverty of your soul. Don't be so caught up in temporary things. God is wanting to do something eternal in you and through you. To have this impoverished soul is to be the most pitied person because eternity is forever. And we have this life right now to begin to set up eternity. See, once eternity comes, man, the decisions are made. That's why baptism is such a powerful picture. These are, these are people, Barb and Mitch, last week saying, hey, I have made my decision. I am going to live for the kingdom of God. I'm not going to live for the kingdom of this world. I have put a stake in the ground in my own heart in front of all of my friends and said, you know what? I can't save this soul. Only Jesus can. It is his death on the cross that paid for my sins. I am no longer going to try to live self-sufficient under my own leadership and my own direction. I have committed my life to Jesus as Lord, leader of this life. He is my salvation and he is my hope. He is the only one that can save this soul. And so God, this life here in the temporary, I commit to forever. 
however you would use me, however you would lead me, whatever you do through this life, God, this is forever, and I'm committed to you forever. See, this is the decision that I believe God is calling everybody to, not only in this room online, but I think it's also for those of us that maybe you've made that decision, but you've stopped living in light of eternity. You've forgotten that this is forever. As we head into the summer, that we, we stay grounded with this heart that says, God, I, I want to be, be close to you no matter what my circumstances say. And one of the greatest things to distance us from God is success in this world. And it's something that we got to fight. We got to go, oh, more money, more success, more popularity, more things, whatever. They're not bad things, but God, don't let my heart grow dim and distant from you. See, Pharisees were lovers of money in this story, and they had to come to grips with the poverty of their own souls. Jesus wasn't condemning them. He was inviting them. Hey, don't be so shallow that people recognizing you and giving you money and doing all these things makes you feel like that is it for this life. Live like this is forever and understand that I'm wanting to do a work in your heart and through your life that impacts forever for everyone. That's why we're doing as a church. We're on a mission to reach this world for Jesus. As a people, this is what consumes us. This is the mission that God is saying, hey, do you want to be a part? Do you want to be a part of my mission or do you want to continue to live for your mission? That decision is one that you and I got to make every single day. When I woke up this morning, my head starts going down all these rabbit trails and I had to just stop. I'm still like, don't even have my eyes open. God, today is yours. I am yours. This life is yours. This mind is yours. I am your servant. You are my king. You are in control. You are good. I give you my life. Would you pray with me for a moment? Maybe you just need to pray that right now. Just recenter your heart. Maybe you need to grab that connect card that I showed you earlier. You just need to evaluate what your next steps are for a moment. Am I living like this is forever? Am I living in light of eternity or have I just become consumed with here and the now? God, this life is yours. God, none of us want to live impoverished in our souls. But God, wealthy with strength, virtue, and character integrity inside of us, God. Not just living for the here and the now, God, but living for forever. God, we want to live a life that you can use for other people to experience forever. We wouldn't be so self-consumed with our lives and our money and our success, God, that we forget that we're on a mission with you and that you invite us to to be about the greatest work of all time, that lives would be rescued out of hell and torment and brought into eternity and to light, God, and that your gift of grace is free and available for every single one of us, God. Can't help but think about those in the room or online, God, right now that haven't yet said yes to you, Jesus. They've been trying to live for themselves. God, would you just bring them to a place of conviction? If you're at that spot, today is the day of salvation. God doesn't condemn you, but he invites you to say yes 
to his salvation, yes to his leadership. That he will take your sin, your shame on himself, kill it, he'll pay for it. When he went to the cross, he went for you. You would have the freedom that he's built you for, that he's made you for, that you'd begin to walk towards his purposes. All it just takes is you saying, yes, Jesus, I believe. God, I repent. I come to you. Jesus, we come to you today. We worship you. Just for a moment, take that card, pray, write, respond to what God's doing in your heart. Just give you a minute here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Real Life Northside podcast. We hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Again, take a look at the description for ways to get connected or get involved. We love you.